We'd like to start today's podcast with a correction from the previous week. And here to present the correction is the one who made the mistakes. Oh, mark it, mark this down. Two, two, not, not just one mistake. I I misspoke twice last week. We well, we should just and stop I want to catch it while it's fresh. Okay. Uh, because so many people have complained. Actually, I heard from nobody. So, <laughs> well, how did you know there were any? I correct myself. Are you you're correcting yourself? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. I have no idea first, where this is going. First of all, that is Michael, and this is Father Herb. Hi, everyone. I am the humble one who admits a mistake. Last week, uh, we were quoting from Luke's gospel. Yes. When the devil said, throw yourself down from the parapet of the temple. And he quoted from the scripture, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Correct. And Michael, you said, where does that passage come from? It's Psalms. And I said, oh, I think it's book of Exodus. And you and I said, you know, 10 minutes after we were done recording yeah i realized it's psalm 91 which was the psalm for the same mass do you know how i know that because you sang it because i sang it four times yes. last weekend <laughs> yeah so had i asked the question last week i would have been able to answer my own question yeah it's yeah it's in so the- it's from psalm 91 for all those people who uh, wrote those irate letters that they never bothered to send be with me lord when i am in trouble yes that was the that refrain. that's my theme for life that's <laughs> That's a now, good one. The second correction. What? This is great. Let's just keep doing this. Well, I only have two this oh, week. Okay. Uh, the second correction was I was quoting Shakespeare that even the devil can uh, quote scripture to fit his own purpose. Yeah. And you said, Is that Shakespeare? And I said, Yes, which is correct. That part's correct. Yeah. And you said, Where is it from? And, and I said, <laughs> I thought it was Hamlet. But I was wrong. It's the Merchant of Venice. So really what you're saying is I need to stop asking you on-the-spot questions. Well, the thing is, you didn't catch it. So <laughs> No. Why? But no. those those Shakespeare uh, experts out there, they, they knew that I was wrong. That's true. Well, you know, one of the podcasts I listen to pretty regular, regularly after their the episode, like after they have an interview, yes, they go into a section called the fact check. So the producers go back and they re-listen to the whole episode and then pull out any facts that were freely given during the interview and they you know they make sure everything lines well it's very easy even if you know better to uh misspeak when you're live in front of a a big audience of six i'll you know i'm getting more and more people i love i love this so much they come up and they say you know i'm 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 one of the six yeah Yeah. yeah. (laughs) it's great i love it um, okay, now you said you had something on your mind. Well, you said you know, you said you got all these irate letters, but I did get an uh, I did get a note, a real note, but it wasn't irate because and well, I didn't get letters at all, <laughs> much less irate. <laughs> okay. uh, but somebody sent me a note uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and they were asking about the kind of the process that we use when we're planning mass. Uh, this person says, "I've been listening to the podcast for a few months and really enjoy them." One topic I would be interested in hearing more about is how and where and why you choose the music for each week. And then she said, maybe the other five listeners would be interested as well. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, so I, I I think that's a great question because, you know, we show up to do, do you actually have a plan? I do. <laughs> I do on a weekly basis. So generally the process uh, begins... A few weeks before, any, I, I try to do all the planning in chunks. So uh, I'll sit down and work on Lent as a chunk. And then sometimes... Don't, don't call it a chunk. A liturgical season. Yeah. 
is yeah. a unit. A unit or a chunk. And then um, like this week, I will sit down and work on all of Holy Week and Easter and make sure I've got that firmed up. I've got it pretty much. I got a, a sketch. Well, of the it. truth is that is pretty much the only way to go. In fact, even with planning a homily. Yeah. You, you don't just preach on this weekend. You have to be conscious of what's coming up down the road. Sure. Um, I, I often use the example of when I was newly ordained and we had Psycho B, which in the summer has five weeks in a row from John chapter six, Yeah. And I, which is on the Eucharist, the bread of life. And I just, I said everything I knew about the bread of life the first week and then discovered there's four more weeks to go. A lot of time to go. So yeah. So generally I will, I'll, I'll actually start with just a quick little, a little prayer, like, you know, Holy Spirit guide me in choosing music that will be with me, Lord, when when I'm I'm in in trouble. trouble. No, but really in, in tremble. I don't want to just pick music willy nilly. I want it to be, you know, I want the Holy Spirit to guide what we do here at the church. So usually I'll just, I'll do something along those lines and then I'll just look at what we have done in previous years. What's our cur- current repertoire looking like? What new songs have I introduced in previous weeks that we need to bring back so that people don't forget them? Um, I'll look at Catholic publishers and see what new music is coming out in in recent months. Or I'll look at even some of the more megachurch type websites to see what's maybe some of the more evangelical music doing right now. Uh, and I'll usually just make like a running list of songs. And then I start with scripture for every week. So I'll read through all the readings for each week and try to look for key words or key lines or key themes that we can... Key, key lime? Not pie. As in pie? It's not pie. No, okay. this is Lent. No pie for you. No pie for you. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, take all taking all of those things into consideration and then seeing how we can, you know put a little bit of a picture around the music to make it fit whatever the theme may be for the week. Sometimes it works wonderfully. And honestly, there are, there are times, and this is where I know the Holy Spirit is at work because I'll have chosen a song for a weekend just because, Oh, we haven't sang X song in about eight weeks and I'd like to get it back into the rotation. And there'll be just one little nugget in that lyric that perfectly ties into something in the second reading that I overlooked and there's there's I find there's no way that that's just coincidence so that's kind of the overall process obviously this is only a 23 minute podcast but I try to root it in prayer and scripture and you know really trying to also select things that I think will be inspiring uh, and meditative and uplifting for the parish and that's not different from other things we do because we look at both the scripture of the day and the season. Sure. And sometimes you start with the season, but then the scripture is where you refine it and hone in even more precisely. Well, and as people that listen to this podcast know, sometimes you just call an audible and make a quick change like we did a couple of weeks ago in the middle of the podcast. Yes. We just find a better song and... And throw it in there. So if you ever look in the bulletin and it says songs for this week and it doesn't match what I played is because I was moved to change it bef- after the bulletin went to print. <laughs> gotcha. But that's okay because we use screens. So it's a wonderful thing. And with this, we're going to segue. May we segue now? Uh, may we? Is that French? May, may we? We, we? We. Okay. Yes. Okay. We're going to go into the second Sunday of Lent every year. We have a three-year cycle, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. Every year, the first Sunday of Lent is about going into the desert and the temptations. Sure. Every year, Matthew, Mark, and Luke 
a three-year cycle. The second Sunday is the Transfiguration on the Mountain. Yes. So today we get to read it from Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. And it's very exciting. Do it's, all the synoptics have the Transfiguration? Yes, they okay. do. So that's why we get Matthew, Mark, Luke. Yep. So if you would like to be with me, uh, we are going to read it. It's pretty extensive. When, you, when ex- you are in trouble. Be with me, Lord. Uh, okay, I'm going to be reading the first part. Okay. And I'll let you read the part where it says, as they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus. Okay. That's not, when you pick up. They're not talking about his hair. Not part his hair. No. Depart from him. I wonder if, did Jesus have a side part or a, a middle part? You know, he always... Well, is all different. those old pictures from the movies in the 60s, it was parted right down the center. You know, that's back in style from what I've been told. Not that... <laughs> not that you or I fit that... <laughs> well, not that... Men, yeah. Mostly for the women. It's for those who have hair to... Uh, I'm talking about men. For those who have hair to part. That's right. I, st- I speak for yourself. I've... I've got some thick locks still. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, but becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he did not know what he was saying. While he was still speaking, a cloud came and cast a shadow over them. And they became frightened when they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my chosen son. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to just kind of walk through it, pointing out a few things. Great. Jesus went up the mountain with Peter, John, and James. Remember, there were the four original uh, apostles, Peter and his brother Andrew. Yeah. John and James, who are also brothers. This is like Paul, John, and Ringo. Exactly. But somehow Andrew gets left out later on. I think his mission was basically to bring Peter to Jesus. And then after that, he sort of recedes a little bit. Okay. So we also often have Peter, John, and James. They are the same three, by the way, who witnessed the agony in the garden. Mm. Um, he went up the mountain. That The concept of a mountain. Now, I think around here when we think mountain, because we have no mountains in Wood County, right? Uh, we, we often jump to the extreme and we think of like the Rocky Mountains. That would not be the case either. Yeah. That would be much, much higher. Uh, this mount is... Tall enough that if you get to the top, you get a good view. And they say sometimes from there you can see all the way to the Sea of Galilee. Wow. Um, But on the other hand, it's not a mountain range as such. Yeah. It's like a high hill. The image of a mountain, though, is always about associating with God. It's like you go to the mountain to pray. And even like the Greeks had Mount Olympus, you know, where the gods dwelt. Mm -hmm. And... um, 
in the Old Testament, Moses was in the mountain where he talked with God. The whole concept is what we call a theophany. Now, the, the word theos, T-H-E-O-S, in mm -hmm. Greek means God. Mm -hmm. Theophany is an experience with God. So that's what this is. Then there are the other images that come up, partly from what you were reading. There was the cloud and the voice. Yeah, I, I noticed while I was reading this, I, I never noticed the words when they entered the cloud. Yeah. I always pictured them being a little more passive and observant. And that verb of entering. Well, did they enter it or did the cloud come take over, over them? them? Mm. And that's kind of how you, they, that's how I picture they entered the cloud. Yeah. They were there and the cloud just swept them up. Yeah. Like moving fog. Moving fog. Yeah. Well, have you ever had that happen where you're, you can almost see the, the fog come upon you? Yeah. You live on a river, so there's fog every so often. Sure. There is today with when, when the rain came and the temperatures were changing. It, yeah. it was okay. a little foggy today. So there's something, uh, something about fog that is also mystical. Uh, because, you know, we think of great clarity as an ideal. But in some ways, you almost prefer the, the mystical aspect of fog where we don't have complete clarity. Mm. So it's a, it's a really a question, uh, a question here. Are they seeing Jesus clearly? I can see clearly now. The fog is gone. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's where that song came from. Yeah, you know uh, what? What comes to mind for me? The image of incense, whether we use it at a funeral or at a, a big high mass. You know, the, our faith or our liturgy is very sensory. So not only can we smell it, but the visual of the incense rising. But it is it is mystical in a way that the way that it fills the room. Pro probably the most beautiful image of that was the dedication of our church, mm -hmm. when the, when the bishop had put the chrism all over the top of the altar yeah. as part of the consecration of the altar, mm -hmm. and then they brought this um, what would I call it? It was kind of a tray of some sort that a, it had, was a brazier, a brazier that had, is that the right word? Am that's I, a, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was had a lot of charcoal in it, mm -hmm. and they, he put a whole lot of incense in it, mm -hmm. and the the smoke was just rising to high heaven. Yeah, literally, and, literally, and um, the video captured it quite well. Yeah, it was, it was. You could just see it burning as we as we sang, "Let incense rise." rise yeah, that was a beautiful moment, and we sang it over and over and over. It's called a mantra, Father. It's supposed to enter. I'm not, you. I'm not complaining. Oh. <laughs> Because over the incense was over, over and, and over and over. <laughs> you know, I think we of, are a little sensitive today, I, aren't we? It could be the fog just getting to me. Yeah. Uh, I also think of with the incense in the church sometimes when a ray of sunlight will come through the window. It's just a really beautiful image and it almost kind of pierces through the incense. So you get like that that moment of clarity through yeah. the the fogginess, if you will, or smoke. I don't think I've said this necessarily on the podcast, but one of my, when you mentioned that, one of my favorite images with the sun coming through the windows of our church yeah. is when the sun comes down on Sunday morning mm -hmm. and hits the baptismal font. Mm -hmm. And the baptismal font has flowing water. Yeah. And so it hits the water, but the water itself is moving and it's reflected up on the ceiling. And so it's like the the dancing light on the ceiling. And it is dancing. It's yeah. moving around. It's the moving And then water. through the course of the mass, it moves from one part of the the ceiling to another part. I always think of that 
the the movement of the Holy Spirit. It's funny that you say that because somebody I don't know if it was a baptism. It was something that in the church, but somebody took a picture of it and they had posted it online, and so they were standing in the picture, and behind them on the ceiling was the the shimmering water. And I thought, yes. oh, there's the Holy Spirit in the there's church. There's the Holy Spirit, right? So the the other word I want to po- point out. Well, first of all, let's talk a little bit about Moses and Elijah. Now, some people get really carried away or worried about things like how did how did Peter know who who was Moses and who was Elijah? Well, they were obviously wearing name tags. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But you know, that's that's beside the point. Hello, my name is if, if you're gonna have a theophany, those things become clear. Okay. So Moses represents what's called the law. When we say the law, we think of the Ten Commandments. But the law means more than that. The law means the narrative, like the whole Pentateuch, the the beginning of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And Elijah represents the whole history of prophets. And there's no book of Elijah, but he was perhaps the most famous of the prophets in the book of Kings. Okay. Or Samuel, actually. So oh, um, good. We avoided a correction for next week. Or maybe it, maybe it's, you know what? That's a real interesting one because there's book one of Samuel, book two of Samuel, book three of King, uh, book one of Kings, book four of Kings. But in the old translations, they're all four put together. One, two, three, four. Oh. Kings, one, two, three, four, or Samuel, one, two, three, four. I don't really recall. Okay. So you can say either one and you're, you're okay. Oh, then we're good. All right. Yeah. Correction uh, avoided. Avoided. Um, so they represent like Jesus is the fulfillment. So there's all this going on at the same time. He's transfigured. He's in dazzling white. Uh, so it's like be, beyond the norm. They know they're not just going to sit there and talk to Jesus, that something else is stirring their soul. It's an internal experience for them, mm-hmm. even though they're beyond so far beyond that they fall asleep. Can yeah. you imagine that? How can you fall asleep in the middle of something that's so exciting, but it's almost like, have you ever been to something that's really, really important and you find yourself yawning? No, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I don't know no. what you're talking about. No, seriously. No, uh, I don't. I, maybe. I, re- I remember the first time I saw somebody at, uh, I don't know if it was a wedding. It was like a, one of the parents of a, a bride or groom or something that was yawning. And it looked so inappropriate. Yeah. But then I realized yawning is when your body is gasping for oxygen. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes because you're really stirred and moved excited it comes out as a yawn but it's not like you're bored yeah so falling asleep is kind of in that same line it's not like they were bored but it was like too much for them it just drained them of all that they had Hmm. or or then then again maybe they were just tired from climbing the mountain actually that would be a good reason to fall asleep i i was wondering too at the beginning of this you know the very first couple of lines jesus took peter john and james and went up the mountain to pray i want to know what the conversation was previous to that did they say but we could just pray here (laughs) you know why do we have to go up the mountain and did jesus know what was going to happen was it was he well if you really want to know go back to this is chapter nine of luke's gospel starts with verse 28 Mm -hmm. but if you go to the verses right before that yeah Jesus is just talking about how he's going to suffer and die. Mm. So it's like, okay, from there they move to the mountain. Uh, The juxtaposition of the two things is that says we are, yes, there's going to be death 
and you know crucifixion and death yeah. suffering carrying the cross but there's going to be glory the resurrection so this anticipates that and not in spite of it but through it that's the the, the power of it and that was going to actually be my next point because i know we've said it in previous years when we talk about the second sunday of lent but we don't want to lose sight of why is this gospel reading important in the midst of the season of Lent. Because, it again, we're going through this challenging time of self-denial, sacrifice, repentance, and that is our passageway into the glory, just like this is Jesus' passageway into the glory. Mm-hmm. One quick qu- uh, word that's in the gospel that I read, mm-hmm. I got to read it, it says, uh, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. The word exodus, of course, is a reference back to the Old Testament. You know, Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt, slavery of Egypt, into freedom. Sure. Jesus' exodus is what's going to happen in Jerusalem. Right. And it's the ultimate freedom. So instead of going through the Red Sea, like Charlton Heston, uh, he is going through his own crucifixion, uh, death, and then into resurrection. So that's, so it, it's pulling everything together from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the suffering to the glory. It just, it's, it's a kind of a premier reading. And we're, it's, it would be interesting to know too, you know, it says that Moses and Elijah were speaking to Jesus about what he was going to accomplish. Wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly in that wall? Uh, no walls there, but yes. Yeah. In that tree. In that tree, okay. All right, friends, have a wonderful week. We'll see you this weekend for the second Sunday of Lent. Amen.